0: Well, the ending of one year and the beginning of another year affords you and I a lot of opportunities to think about our lives, our our homes, our work. This time last year, some of us were anticipating things that were coming in 2016, and we had a plan, maybe, of how we were going to approach those things. And maybe this year didn't go as you expected. Maybe there were things that happened this year that not only were unexpected, but they have completely reframed the way that you see life. January 1st, falling on a Sunday, gives you and I a real opportunity to pause and in one sense wipe the board clean, and think for a few moments about what lies ahead. I think one of the best symbols of that are calendars. I brought with me a 2016, last year's, LSU calendar. I know, I know. Don't be envious. Uh, and uh, I have a new one. I didn't bring it out. I thought, you know, somebody might not be able to resist, Take it from me, but I have this old one. And on the calendar, we put that on the wall and we use it to mark time, don't we? And we have we have dates on the calendar and we put X's through them. Some of us do. Some of us just <clears throat> look at the sayings or, or the things that we were expecting to happen on that day, national events or federal holidays or whatever whatever it is. and, and we mark time using a calendar and and because of that, when we change from an old year to a new year, probably the most common thing that individuals do is establish a set of resolutions, things that I'm going to do this year that I didn't do last year, things that I need to do, Uh, things that that I said I was going to do that I'm going to try even harder this year to do it and get it done, and you may have a set of those, They may just be something floating around in your mind right now. Or you may actually have sat down and maybe you're a person that keeps a a journal or a diary and you've written down some things. This year needs to be different in this way. Uh, I was looking this morning and early, posted early by NBC, they posted an article about the most popular New Year's resolutions that people make. They did this by researching Uh, internet activity and what people were googling searching for online and number one was to get healthy anybody thought about getting healthy in 2017 I feel great get healthy number two get organized some of y'all are thinking oh that's a good one I need to write that down number three live life to the fullest that's not bad Number four, learn a new hobby. Number five, spend less, save more. That's a good one to think about right after Christmas. Number six, travel. Number seven, read more. In the research that they were talking about in this particular article, they said what's significant about all of those resolutions is that only about eight people out of a hundred will actually do them. Eight people out of a hundred. I actually thought that was a big number. Uh, I suspect the, that maybe that's inflated um, a little bit. What is it that God wants from us? Amen. What kind of resolution would it look like? If you and I just had one resolution to make and we were going to say resolved, this is the thing That I want to do this year, this is the thing that I realize I need to do, most important thing to do, the thing that can most affect my life for good, what would that be? Let me suggest some things that he doesn't want. If we're going to boil it down to one resolution, let me just mention some things. And I want to say this carefully because God leads us to do things. There's no question about it. He leads us to do things. But this is not the resolution that I believe he's looking for from you and me. Number one, a bigger accomplishment or set of accomplishments. A bigger accomplishment or set of accomplishments. Listen to this. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand is made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house can you build for me? What kind of accomplishment can I perform for God? That he really needs me to do for him. I don't believe that's the resolution that he has in mind for you or for me. A second resolution, more money. You say, well, pastor, you know, the church can always use more money. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. There's always things we can do. Uh, more money means more ministry, more going out, more sharing, more changing lives. I'm, that's good. But as a resolution, Listen to what he says, Psalm 50, verse 9. Listen, I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds, the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine in all its fullness. What could I possibly give to God that he needs from me? Well, obviously, it's not stuff. It's not just money. And, um, and one of the mistakes we make is that we think that that's what God wants from us. He wants bigger accomplishments, uh, bigger sacred or religious works of an acts and activity, more money, bigger budgets. Here's another one. I'm going to say this one carefully, but I think when you hear what Jesus says, you'll understand it. I don't think he needs you to resolve to perfect your beliefs just your doctrines. In Mark chapter 7 verse 5, then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, "Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands?" See what they weren't doing things the way The religious people taught and the way they understood the scripture. The doctrine was different, and so the practices were different. Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So, what was he doing? He was talking about the Pharisees, these men who studied the scriptures. They could quote vast sections of the Scripture. They had thought about it deeply, and they thought of ways to, to try to keep all the rules and the legislation that they saw in the Scriptures. In the process, they said, well, if this is wrong, then, then I'm going to build some fences back here, and I'm going to add some rules to the law so that I have to, if I'm keeping all these little rules, and they called them the saog, the little fences, if I keep all these traditions and little rules, then I won't break the big law of God. And Jesus said, man, these people, their lips, they honor me. They know a lot of stuff. They have a lot of understanding of what it actually says, but they don't understand what it means. Their heart is far from me. So in their efforts to know the truth, they actually miss the truth. Let me give you a fourth one. Improved performance. I'll be better, God, this year than last year. Improved performance performance i'll try harder i'll try harder to be better and we come and we say god i'm resolved to do that well paul if anyone had the performance thing down it was the apostle paul Uh, he was a pharisee of the pharisees he had the performance down he kept all the rules outwardly that anybody could ever want someone to keep he kept all of them he did the right things In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, this man wrote, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In other words, I don't get sentimental about my losses or my sacrifices or what I've given up. I count it as rubbish, trash, garbage, garbage. Why? That I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, doing all the right things, but from that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. In other words, the only performance I need to be concerned about, ultimately, is that Jesus Christ did everything that was necessary to please the Father on my behalf. and That when I put my trust in Christ... All the performance requirements have been met in Jesus when I receive him. Now, does that mean that I don't grow? I don't need to change? I don't need to, you know, I can keep on sinning, do what I want, whatever I want? No. We'll see that in just a moment. But it does mean that if I had a resol- resolution to make for 2017, just being better is going to miss the mark. Here here it is. Let me give you you the resolution, and I want to say a few words about it, and I want us to respond to him. If there was one resolution that you could make this year and write it down and hold on to it and say, this is the thing that I'm going to do, and at the same time, that it be a resolution that that God actually would bless and would want you to, to make and to pursue and to have, it would be this. God wants you to know him. God wants you to know Him. So if I was going to put that as a resolution, I'd say resolve 2017, I want to know God. I want to know God. I want to know more of Him this year than I knew of Him last year. I want to know Him. Let me give you three scriptures. John 17, 3. I love this verse. The Lord has taught me so much from it. It says, and this is eternal life. This is eternal life. When I think of eternal life, it'd be very easy to say, well, eternal life is is living forever. Jesus could have said, this is eternal life, living forever. But it's not about just living forever. It's a quality of life. It's a life that God intended for you from the very beginning. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life, knowing God knowing God second scripture I want you to hear Hosea 6 verse 6 Hosea was a prophet called to do some unusual things in order to communicate the message God gave him the generation that he was speaking to was one that was caught up in playing it safe in terms of religion they worshiped Yahweh God they also worshiped idols they covered their bases And so they would do sacrifices. They would even do the sacrifices the right way. They would sacrifice the lambs. They would keep some of the observances that were prescribed in the Old Testament law. They would do all of that. But their heart was not in it. And God was not the only one they were worshiping. They're playing it safe. Hosea 6, verse 6, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That word mercy is like a word for compassion or love. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. It does no good to give a sacrifice, and your heart's not in it. It does no good to give an offering, and your heart's not in it. It does no good to teach a Sunday school class or preach a sermon, and your heart's not in it. He wants your heart in. This people's lips, they honor me, but their hearts are far from me. He wants your heart in. I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. I found at least three places where Jesus quoted this very verse in making that very point. Here's a third scripture, Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. Let him glory in this, that he understands and knows me. So over and over again, the Old Testament, and Jesus says it in the New Testament when He defines eternal life, that the life He has for you when you trusted Christ, if you're a Christian today, when you trusted Christ, you received Him as your Savior, He forgave your sins because you trusted Him. What was supposed to happen after that? What was supposed to happen after that is that He wants you and I to know Him, to enter into a relationship with Him. Now, how do you know God? How can you know God? Well, you know, simple things like if I was going to learn Spanish um, or if I was going to learn a subject like history, you could teach me the facts and I learned them. Uh, Those are very simple things to know. You may say, well, I don't think it's simple to know those subjects, but but it's really a process. You can learn those things fairly easily. They're not complex. When you get to objects um, that are physical objects, not abstract things like learning ideas and history and stuff, objects, well, you learn about those things by seeing them and maybe engaging your senses. You go to a museum, you learn about the things in the museum by seeing those things in the museum. But living things are much more complex, aren't they? To say I know a living thing requires more than just seeing it. Uh, I have to get to know it. And knowing that living thing requires a more complex action on my part. i got to spend some time with it. If I say I know my dog, it's because I know how he behaves. He doesn't behave like other dogs. He has his own unique ways of behaving. And if I say I know that dog, I don't know the other one. I don't know my neighbor's dog or the other dog down the street. I know my dog. is because I've spent time with him. And because of that, I kind of learn how he acts, what he likes, what's going to make him excited, what's going to make him upset. And I say, I know my dog. He's a living thing. And so there's some past history involved to say that I know him that way. Human beings, it's even more complex. To say that I know someone uh, really depends a lot <clears throat> on the other person, doesn't it? It does. I can say, I want to know you. Hi, my name's Don. What's your name? You may tell me your name, and that's all you tell me. Well, I don't know very much about you at that point. That's why I can know somebody's name, and I can see them at the store. I can maybe even a neighbor, and I can know them for many, many years and still not know a thing about them (laughs) because they've never opened up to me or I've never investigated who they are but they have to reveal themselves to me. I can can do so much to get to know them, but after that, they have to reveal themselves to me. Now, when we talk about God, we're talking about something, someone far beyond just an ordinary human being, right? The closest thing I can liken knowing God to is, is getting to know someone that's really famous or really important in our world. If I was going to get to know a president, if I was going to get to know a king or a queen, if I was going to get to know the CEO of a major multi-billion dollar corporation, uh, I could make myself available to that person. But typically, when you meet someone that's really important, you just try not to mess up. Right? You don't want to say the wrong thing. You want to show courtesy. You want to show proper respect. And, and if you're going to know that person, it really entirely depends on whether that person wants to know you completely. And, and so you're never going to know that important and famous person unless they choose to be known by you. Now, what if you go to meet this important person and, and you show courtesy, you bow, you do whatever you're supposed to do, you stand when they walk in the room, and this important person immediately walks over to you, takes you by the hand, embraces you, sits you down, and immediately takes you into their confidence, begins to share important things with you, makes you a partner in whatever business or discussion or operation that they're in, and they go to great lengths to include you in their life and to reveal their thoughts and their, their things to you and take an interest in you so that you reveal your thoughts to them. And suddenly you get to know them. Why? Because they took the initiative and they sustained that activity so that you might know them. That's what God does. God does. We could never know Him unless He made the first move, unless He took the initiative to know us. And in fact, that's what He has done. And everything that we know about Him, we know only because He has chosen to reveal it to us. So when I ask the question, how can I know God, if that's my resolution, I want to know God in 2017, how can I know Him? It's a great question. There are people, atheists, maybe you consider yourself an atheist or an agnostic. Atheist a person who denies the existence of God. Um, that's an act of faith, by the way. The only way you could deny the existence of something is having traveled the entire universe and every corner of it and discovered that something doesn't exist. It's hard to, to prove that, but there are people who believe that. They are atheists. I like what Ronald Reagan used to say about atheists. He said he'd like to invite them over to his house and and put before them a great gourmet banquet kind of a meal with all of these wonderful dishes. And then after they're through eating, he wanted he wanted to ask them one question. Do you believe there's a cook? Because that's what life is for us. We live in this world, we have good things, beautiful things, wonderful things. Do we believe there's a God? Other people would claim to be agnostic. Um, it's actually, uh, the word itself in English comes from a Greek word, gnosis, which means to know, and ah, which is the negative, means not knowing. And an agnostic is someone who's not sure. They have doubts about whether or not God exists and that God who is who he says he is. And so they have doubts. The question is, and I, I encounter this from time to time, Not so much here and when, but I have encountered it. Where I talk to someone, they say, well, I'm an agnostic. I say, well, are you an honest agnostic or a dishonest agnostic? They say, well, what's an honest agnostic? And I said, an honest agnostic doesn't know, isn't sure, but would like to. A dishonest agnostic doesn't know, isn't sure, and really doesn't want to know. Because if God is who he says he is, that has remarkable implications for the way I live, doesn't it? And, um, and the choices that I make, if God, in fact, is who He says that He is. How can I know God? Let me share with you three things, and then I want to close. Number one, I can know God through the Scriptures. Yes, that is an act of faith to a point until you begin to actually read the Scriptures. And as you get into the Scriptures, you need to have a right attitude I need to understand that when I read this book, that is actually not like any other book. If I approach it just as a work of literature, I'm going to not understand what it is and what's happening as I read it. As I read it, I need to have the right attitude. That right attitude will affect my approach to the Scripture. If I read the Scripture just to read it like a book, then I may, even as a Christian, pick it up and say, well, today I'm supposed to read two chapters, these chapters, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, or whatever, and so I read the chapters and I'm done. I've read my Bible. I've done my duty as a Christian. But do I know God any better? And so my approach to Scripture needs to be very different. It's not about just reading the Scripture. Am I listening to the Scripture? And so when we read it, we're supposed to be listening. Why? Because we believe that God has revealed Himself through the Word, And that if a person comes with the right attitude and the right approach, they come to expect and listen for God to speak to them, that God will speak to them through the Scriptures. Never hesitate to recommend to someone who doesn't know God, doesn't know Christ, don't hesitate and say, hey, read the Scriptures. Here's the Gospel of John. Read it. And then pray like crazy that they will hear God. So we believe the Scriptures, that God speaks to us through the Scriptures, and as I read them, I need to be listening. And so whatever plan you have for reading your Bible in 2017, please make it your resolution to know God. And so as you read, I need to listen. And as I listen, amazing things happen when I read the Scripture. I discover not only who God is, but I discover who I am. And I discovered that there are things that are wrong with me, There are parts of me that are damaged and broken. I discover when I read the Scripture that that I'm blind to some things that are true about me and about my world. I'm blind. The Scripture reveals to me my blindness, reveals to me my weakness, that I can't do all the things I thought I could do, that I can't be my own person, I can't be the captain of my own soul, the master of my own fate. I discover that someone else is in charge. And then at the same time, I discovered that this God who's speaking to me and revealing these things to me loves me, loves me, just as I as I am. He just loves me. That when Christ died for me on the cross, God was saying, I love you, world. I love you just as you are. You don't have to do anything to earn my love. The world's very different. You have to qualify for love with most people. You know, if you do the right things, you act a certain way, you look a certain way, I'll love you. God's not like that. He already loves you. And so he reveals so much to us about who he is through the Scriptures. So I need to know God. I want to know him. I was made to know him. And one of the great ways to do that is by reading his word and then listening What he says. There's a second way to know God, not just through the scriptures, but through his son. Through his son. You see, the Old Testament describes God, but in the New Testament, Jesus comes as a son of God. The Bible says that he was sent, and he is the perfect copy, the perfect representation of God the Father. That when God wanted to make himself known to you and to me, he sent his son to represent, speak, describe, model uh, and be for us everything that we needed to most know about God, He has revealed to us through His Son. And so, how do I get to know God through Jesus Christ? I need to become a disciple. I need to become a follower of Christ. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus called people to come to Him. Some did, some didn't. But those that came to Him He he changed their lives. They would follow him. They would be with him on day one, and they would hear him teach things and say things. On day two, they would follow him. They would see him do things and teach things. He would do miracles. He would teach truth. He would change lives. They would see this happening day in and day out as they followed Jesus Christ. And over time, the conclusion that they reached about who he was 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 unavoidable. It was inescapable. And they finally came out of Peter and they came out of all of them. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. That's a little different for you and me. But as I read the Gospels and I see those men and women following Jesus, I realize that God is inviting me to follow him as well. And by knowing Christ, by knowing Jesus, I can know the Father in the the purest, most beautiful, clearest way that He intended for you and me to know Him. But there's more. I know God through the Scriptures. I know God through His Son that He sent. But I also know God through His Spirit, through the Spirit of God. You see, when a person says yes when they turn from doing life without God and they turn to doing life with God, when they turn from their sin, which is ultimately a sin of independence I don't need God, don't need anybody telling me what to do, I'm gonna do my own thing. When we turn away from that and we turn to God and we say, God, I wanna know you, I wanna follow you, and I'm gonna put my trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, every rebellion, everything we'd done wrong, and he took our punishment in our place and carried our sins away. So when I say I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm trusting that that's true. I'm trusting that my sins are carried away. There's more. The moment I trust him, the Bible says his Holy Spirit comes to live inside me. And he is now there to be for me all that Jesus would be if he were here in person, in the flesh. And Jesus taught this about his own spirit. And so not only do I know God through the Scriptures and through his Son, but I know him through his Spirit, his Holy Spirit, who communicates to us through the Scriptures, through the Son. He communicates to us who God is and and, and enables us to know who God is. God really is, so that we can know Him, so that we can fulfill this purpose for which we were made. I think it's in Colossians 1.16 that says, all things were, were made by Him and for Him. If you've ever wondered, why am I here on earth? I'm here on earth for Him. And one of the reasons our lives don't go the way we want them to go, one of the reasons we look at our life and it may seem messed up and broken, damaged, It's because I don't know why I'm here. Maybe I think I'm here to survive. Maybe I think I'm here to make a living. Maybe I think I'm here just to raise my family, keep all the rules, do the right things. But what if I'm here for another reason? What if the reason I'm here is because he made me for himself? Then I need to get plugged in to who he is. I need to know him. You know, it would be really great. I don't know how many of you all got some kind of new tech toy or appliance or product today over the last week, most of them don't work without plugging them in. Most of them don't work without juice or batteries or charge. And most of us are useless unless we know why we're here. Until I get plugged into knowing God, I'm just going to fumble around and mess around in life, and I'm going to miss the real reason that God made me and put me here. I can know Him through His Holy Spirit. So being a disciple today, following Jesus, in many respects, doesn't have to be all that different from following Him 2,000 years ago. As they followed Him day by day, they heard Him teach, they heard Him preach, they saw Him do things. So I now have the privilege, right now, of following Jesus Christ. Through his spirit, I can know him. Through his word, I can hear him. Through the son, I can know most everything I need to know on this side of heaven about who God is. What's the one resolution that matters most? It's that we know him. Where do you begin? Some of us have read the Bible for years. Maybe we've read it for a long time and we didn't understand that I was supposed to be listening when I read. Maybe for you, the first step this morning is just to say, you know, yeah, I wanted to read more of my Bible this year, but now I realize that I want to know God. When I read my Bible, Lord, I'm going to be listening for your voice. And every day that I set aside time to be alone with you, I'm just going to listen for your voice. I want to know you. For someone that has never come into a relationship with God through Jesus, your first step is different. You need to come to a place where you realize that that what has happened in the past has been a life without God. And now I need a life with Him. And you need to come to a place where you're ready to to say, I want to follow you. You're hearing his call. He's saying, I want you to follow me, son. I want you to follow me, daughter. I love you just as you are. You don't have to clean up for me. You don't have to get better for me. You don't have to improve for me. I just want you to come as you are. Give your life to me. Get to know me and then let me live my life through you. I'll change your life. Will you trust him?